Tom's intro. You are listening to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, where women who are ready to expand their life adventure discover the tools to stop playing small and tap into the courage required to enjoy their second wind. Welcome. Good afternoon or good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to Second Wind. It's always a pleasure to have you here. You know, it's getting close to the end of the year. It's going to be a good year to leave behind us, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2020 is quietly leaving, hopefully, and we can look forward to a more promising 2021. I'm staying very positive in that with all the good things that are happening. So one of the things that I love to do every year, I do it, but I've been able to do it in person, and that is to have a vision board workshop. Now, this year, my vision board workshop will be on the Internet. Are you surprised? (laughs) No. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we're all going to get together, right? So in January, I'm going to kick off the year with my vision board workshop on the Internet. And so if you are of the habit of creating a vision board, do you even know what a vision board is? Well, it's how we how we put our dreams and our goals for the upcoming year into visual and words. And it's through the mechanism of using that board on a daily uh, method that we can connect and call in those wants and dreams that we want to happen in 2021. Now, I'm going to be doing some Facebook Lives and teaching on Joyce Buford Empowers, which is my, my business name. And if you would go there and either listen to them as they come up or if you would send me an email at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com, then I will put you on the list to receive the emails that go out about this class that's going to be happening. So anyway, I really am optimistic. And I think with you all using a vision board, you can create a really positive, exciting, promising 2021. So I hope you'll be there. Of course, you're going to hear me talk more about it as we get into the year, but it's going to be on January the 23rd, and it'll be a four-hour class. So more about that as we get closer to it. Now, let's talk about my guest today, because I'm very excited to have Patricia Evans with us. Now, Thank you, Joyce. I'm excited to be here with you. (laughs) Now, let me tell you a little bit about Patricia, and you can already tell she's going to be a delightful woman to visit with today, but she she really carries a power here with her in what she has been called to do with her life. Now, she's internationally recognized. She's the interpersonal communication specialist, and she is the best-selling author of five books. Her first one was 
1992, where she appeared and talked about her book on the Oprah show. That is a pretty big. <laughs> That's pretty big. It now that, nice. it was that, book, that book was Verbally Abusive Relationships. So we're going to be talking about a topic that has been around for many years. She put a name to it and how that all happened and how it has affected her life going forward. So she didn't stop with just that one book. She also wrote Verbal Abuse Survivors Speak Out, Controlling People, The Verbally Abusive Man, Can He Change, and The Victory Over Verbal Abuse. She has single-handedly brought the subject of verbal abuse to the forefront of American consciousness, but really it's the world consciousness, right? Right. Wouldn't Joy. you say, Patricia, with when yeah. you hear the fascinating things that she has been able to achieve, achieve since taking on this subject of, of abuse, then you're going to be so impressed with this woman. Newsweek has commented about her as being a groundbreaking new book author. So welcome, Patricia. I'm delighted you're here with us today. Thank you, Joyce. I'm always very glad to have an opportunity to share some insights with listeners because a lot of times people uh, are in uh, maybe not a severely but somewhat a verbally abusive relationship and they don't really understand what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Verbal abuse can be subtle and it's not like a big name, nasty name-calling event, but it can be confusing, and it's usually blaming also, you know, so that a person is defined. If you want to have a real simple definition of what is verbal abuse, it's a yeah. negative definition of you, what you are, like that's name-calling, you are stupid, crazy idiot, you know, that's name-calling, defining yeah. you, telling you what you are. It's also all these other things telling you what you think and what you want, like you want to argue. The last thing on earth you want is arguing, you know, mm-hmm. you, and so on. So it's these defining sentences that are so shocking and blaming also because they're so negative. They make you feel, if you, listen, if you believe the abuser, and you really believe the abuser, then then you would feel like you were not a good person and not a caring person, that all this pain is your fault. But mm-hmm. it has, it's not your fault. No one in this on this planet could, can tell you what you want, for instance. Mm-hmm. Someone might say, you want to argue, you want to be right, you want to start a fight, you want to win, you want to put me down, you want to ruin my life. Okay, those are all negative things telling you what you want. But there is no human being on planet Earth. Even a great psychic can't really tell you what you want. They might make a good guess, but (laughs) no one can tell you what you want. Uh Therefore, um, you know know right away that you're hearing something irrational, something Mm. that's not sane. You're hearing insanity, and that's why it's so confusing because the partner in an abusive relationship always tries to be very rational 
to explain what's bothering her so they can have a happy relationship. And yeah. it doesn't work. It's, if she's trying to explain to make the relationship happier, he's saying you're trying to ruin the relationship. Uh-huh. So this is like a shock, you know. So if she think, feels like I just can't get it, get him to understand what bothers mm-hmm. me, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he's never going to under, really understand his insanity. But there are a number of things that one can do. One is to really, truly understand that verbal abuse defines you in a negative way. And it's always a lie told to you. There is no one who can tell you what you think, what you Mm -hmm. want, what you are, what you need, what you know, that you're built wrong, made wrong, whatever. So, Mm -hmm. So when you hear these things, you can know this is abuse. But why would somebody who claims to love you, maybe even to, ma- to want to marry you or maybe has married you, you know, why would this person do this to you? This is what is so confusing. So the partners in these relationships usually try and try and try to be nicer, to be kinder, to be more giving, to be mm-hmm. more thoughtful over mm-hmm. and over and over. And they just feel they just can't do it because mm-hmm. they don't realize they're dealing with a person who says things that are not sane, S-A-N-E, sane. They're mm-hmm. insane because no one can tell you what you feel or want or think, and this is just an assault to your consciousness, your right. aware, self-awareness. It's a terrible thing to go through. It's very terrible. And yeah. usually the person who's doing this doesn't really realize what they're doing. They really, you'd think they would know it's such a painful, horrible thing, but they mm-hmm. really, they just blurt these things out, and it's yeah. very painful. And these things they blurt out are confabulations. So this is a new section I want to explain to our listeners that where a confabulation comes from. Usually an abuser in the most common way the abuser has been put down, told to shut up, to, that he's trying to be right, that he's wrong, that he's, you know, just put down all the time in his childhood. And mm-hmm. therefore, um, he's also taught that he's not supposed to show his feelings, you know, mm-hmm. or he's weak if he shows his feelings, if he cries, if he yells or whatever. He's told that, you know, he's just weak and he, his father rejects him usually there's a lot of rejection in his childhood. So right. so what happens, he buries his feelings deep, 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 deep in his psyche. Now, we all are born with four functions. Thinking, we all navigate planet Earth thinking, like where we're going, what we're going to take. Thinking, feeling, this is good, this is not good, this, this doesn't feel right, this feels good. You mm-hmm. know, our feelings, sensations. Our sensate function is one of those four functions, and that's like it's too cold now or I'm, it's hot here. What, you sen- what your senses tell you, you know, thinking, mm-hmm. feeling, sensate, and intuition, our intuitive function. We all have mm. these four, four functions, thinking, yeah. feeling, sensate, and intuition. Mm-hmm. So this way we kind of get along. Oh, it feels right. It feels good. It's not good. I should take a coat. It's going to be cold, whatever. We're thinking, mm-hmm. we're feeling, and we're noticing everything. Mm-hmm. Well, if his feeling function has been suppressed, if his 
family, his father, his older brothers, his uncles, other people, people in the neighborhood would 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 bully him, hurt him, beat him up if he showed feelings because to them that's a sign of weakness to yeah. show your feelings. And right. you're not you're supposed to not be weak, you're supposed to be strong. So so what happens is he buries his feeling function deep in his psyche and he hardly knows it's there. He doesn't really know it's there. As right. he grows up and he gets older and into his teens, he's attracted to girls. He sees them sees them as warm, receptive, nurturing creatures. He doesn't mm-hmm. think about it. He's just attracted to them. And he eventually gets hooked up with one, stays with one, marries one, is engaged to a, a woman, and he sees her through the lens of his missing self. His warm, receptive, nurturing, emotionally available, mm. intuitive self has been buried. Now it's mm-hmm. like a lens through which he sees mm-hmm. girls. And he sure wants one. I mean, after <laughs> all, that's the rest of him out there. <laughs> you know. So he so- sees... He sees that part that's missing in him in his partner. Is that how he's drawn to this yeah. woman? Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. In a way, he sees her through the lens of his lost self. He yeah. He sees her as, as just the things that he's missing. And mm-hmm. he, when he feels, when he gets her, when he feels secure, like they mm-hmm. decide, okay, we'll move in together or right. we'll get married or whatever. Uh-huh. When he feels really secure, where his unconscious would say, this body won't leave me now. It's a safe harbor for the rest of me. And the whole lost self is projected into his partner. And she is now, she's now an extension of his mind. And now we're at a real delicate time because once he, she would, most of the women will say, when I first met him, he was so nice. When yes. he went out, he was so nice. He was always uh-huh. so wonderful. Then uh-huh. one day he changed. That's when he projected this lost self into his partner because then he feels like she should think this, want this, do this. In other words, she should just be an extension of him. Like, here's an example. When I explain some of this in my book, my third book, Controlling People, um, Uh a gentleman called me up and said, I just read your book. Now I know why I threw my wife to the ground. I said, really? What happened? (laughs) He said, well, I got home from work early, and I love to cook. So I was Mm -hmm. cooking up a storm, had all the burners going, then my wife came in from work. She said, hi, and I said, hi. <laughs> from the <laughs> South, I take it. <laughs> yeah, they're South cooking people. And so, yes, exactly right. And so so then she said, hi, and then she looked down at the mail, and I felt attacked and hurt and wounded and almost killed. I felt so attacked. I I just felt horrible. This woman is looking down at the mail because the rest of me in her was going to walk over and say, can I help you with the cooking? That didn't happen. Right. So he felt totally lost. Part of him was gone. Mm. The half of him that was projected into her. (coughs) 
was gone. It was like a stranger standing there looking at the mail. Just an amazing thing. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting how many of us choose our paths. And I want to go back and just kind of get the audience back with you because it was so interesting to me how mm-hmm. people make their transitions through life, how they determine where they're going to go, what's their yeah. passion. And oh, yeah. I really want you to share your story about mm-hmm. how you became um, a writer, so committed to this. Yes. Yeah. Well, I grew up uh, where neither of my parents ever, ever put me down yelled mm-hmm. at me, uh, made me feel sad or bad, you know. They were, right. neither of my parents ever said a thing to me, and I sat back like almost self-hypnotized, you know, to try to recall <laughs> that I ever hear anything that said anything negative to me, you know, uh, like you're an idiot or you're stupid or whatever. Uh, Sometimes parents can say things like that. Yes. Nothing. But I, every day, almost every day, I heard my father tell my brother you're hopeless you're doing it all wrong what's the matter with you you're never going to amount to anything you're hopeless you know you just uh, you're a mess what's the matter with you look at Mm -hmm. how you did that you should have done it this way you only got b plus you should have got a what's the matter with you you're hopeless you know it was a constant constant putting him down so when i graduated from college i started looking around for classes that what kind of course would I find that would teach me how to help people who get put down my major goal uh, at that time what drove me was the need to help people who get put down because I think it's a horrible thing so I was looking all around happened to walk by the office of one of the professors who I had had Dr. Carl Putz and he was a philosophy professor, and he said hi, and I said hi. I said, I'm looking for courses. Do you know any that might help me to, to learn how to help people who get put down? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, those put-downs you're talking about, that's verbal abuse. He gave me the name. Mm-hmm. The first time it was named. That's verbal abuse. And I said, oh, and he said, there aren't any courses. And I said, oh, my gosh, what should I do? He said, why don't you write a book that would show people how to recognize it? That would be something. Uh, a challenge. <laughs> so, so I just thought, that's like my soul spoke to me. Oh, yeah. that would help a million people. Oh, yeah. my God, that's what I wanted to do. I want to help these people. And I don't have to call it put-downs. I'll call it verbal abuse. So mm-hmm. thank you, Professor. And he <laughs> did follow my career later. I, t- I called it, I found him somewhere later, you know, mm-hmm. and his wife said, yeah, he was tracking it all. But in any <laughs> case, um, he gave me the tool, the, the method by which mm-hmm. I could help people who get put down. So mm-hmm. that's what I, why I wrote even the first book and identified it. No one in any language had ever identified a verbally abusive relationship. But there's millions of abusive relationships. Yes. That's so weird. I mean, nobody had ever said that's an abusive relationship. Nobody right. had ever identified it. So people would go on trying and trying and trying to get their partner, their mate, to not say something and to not put them down and not yell at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And 
and it just goes on. But what happens is, now, why would this guy do this? Why would he do it in the first place? Why would he do it? Mm-hmm. Well, remember that when he first saw his his wife to be, when he first mm-hmm. they first met, he saw her through the lens of what was missing in him, his his unlived, undeveloped side, his warm, receptive, nurturing, emotionally developed side wasn't there because he was missing his whole feeling function. He didn't have empathy or anything because uh-huh. his feeling function was missing. Now, that whole gestalt, that collection of all those parts and pieces of him that hadn't developed were projected into his partner when he felt secure in the relationship. She's <laughs> now the rest of him. But wait a minute. If she isn't saying what he's or doing what he expects her to do, like, can I help you with the cooking, mm-hmm. like that guy, he's feel, feeling like he's being horribly attacked. Part of him right. has gone missing. Right. Part of him has gone missing. And now what can he do but just form, he doesn't even know why. He doesn't know about his projection. He doesn't mm-hmm. know that he's lost most of his feeling function. He mm-hmm. doesn't know anything like that. All he knows is that, all of a sudden he feels attacked and mm-hmm. so he forms a confabulation that's a uh, very important thing to know a confabulation is um a phrase a, a reason for this awful feeling like you don't you just hate me you don't even care about our relationship you're trying to start a fight you're a right. man of bitch you you love to uh-huh. argue yeah and uh-huh. all these things which are not her at all. She's the opposite of that. But right. anyway, he forms these confa- a confabulation every time he feels attacked. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that come out of all of this. For instance, uh, she might um, say, uh, you know, can you fix the light bulb up there? It's loose and it's, so it's blinking sometimes. And mm-hmm. he, might, he might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he did it, if he acted like she was a real separate person, I mean, he'd be committing suicide. There's no way he's ever going to get around to fixing the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See? Because, now, yeah. Now, what I'd like to know is, is the, the abusive language, is it a learned uh, part? I mean, is that learned so that an individual sees that? happening in his home and therefore he becomes a verbally abusive person as well um it's not exactly learned if he's been abused if he's okay been told, you're an idiot you don't know what you're doing you're doing it all wrong when you're never right. going to amount to anything all those yeah. things you know then he can feel um you know a, a terrible feeling of not being good enough the most common <laughs> feeling that men have who do this kind of thing are that they aren't good enough, that they just aren't good enough. And so they're very defensive. The actual words, oh, you just want to start a fight and so forth, those words just are automatic. I don't think they have to be, they're learned exactly. They're just picked up maybe out of the universe or or Mm -hmm. just the way we Mm -hmm. talk, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, or they'll say you're not listening and the wife will say, I am listening. I'm Uh really listening. and it doesn't say, it's, you know what, it's, you're being insane. You don't right. know if I'm listening. You're not God. 
Would mm-hmm. you stop? Or you're not me. And if she she might eventually need to say, hey, you're not me. You're not a woman. By the way, did you always? <laughs> you've done this so often. Did you always want to be a woman? You know. <laughs> that might wake him up a little bit. I don't know. But in any case, the thing is, they form these confabulations, and it's all, it, it all these things happen when she asks a question or, mm-hmm. or she's, you know, just comes in to the room. Just anything can trigger him because he may, in his mind, she would have gone uh gone in the kitchen and started the dinner before she came in his room or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anytime she doesn't match his mind, uh, part of him that's projected into her goes missing. Like, who's this standing here? Who's uh. this? Where did the rest of me go? Screams his unconscious. But mm-hmm. he's not aware. He doesn't know why. He just feels like he's being attacked. When right. that In the first story about the man who said, you know, she was going to... He just knew, in a way, she was going to say, can I help you with the cooking? But she didn't. She started right. looking at the mail. He felt like he was looking at a stranger standing there yeah. looking at the mail and that the part of him was gone, but he didn't understand why he felt so attacked or right. why he threw to the ground and why he got kicked out and all that because once you do something really physical, you can lose your family. So he, when he called, he'd finally read Controlling People, and I kind of give a little bit of that information in right. that book. So it's now does, a good one. Because this is dealing with the feeling part of uh, his personality, would this also mean that he he can't really be compassionate or... Uh, oh, yeah. No, he doesn't have... No, because the, the compassion, which would... And being compassionate would come from empathy, and yeah. all that, and he's lacking that because he doesn't have empathy for the person who just killed him by looking down at the mail. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't right. have, and he doesn't have empathy at all because he grew up being told, you know, you're doing it all wrong. What's the matter with right. you? You know, straighten yeah. up. You know, and so, so he can feel. Um, you know, he just doesn't have empathy. In fact, right. he may spend a lot of his life trying to get people to think he's important, to impress people, to to get attention, to get positive attention from people mm-hmm. because he didn't get that in his childhood. It just wasn't he wasn't good enough in childhood. So you also you also spoke in our conversation earlier that we had about that they like to project or they do like for people to think they are happy go lucky that they are very um what do I want to say uh they like people to like them oh yeah oh my gosh yes yeah yeah they 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 want to you know if they were told oh you're you're hopeless you're doing it all wrong and stuff like that and were basically rejected in childhood their right. goal is to get people to say you're wonderful, you're terrific, yeah. I like you, I love to be around you, you're right. a terrific person. And so they can't take any kind of rejection and they or they will fight it constantly, you know, because yeah. they're so weak inside. There's yeah. nothing there. Patricia, I'm going to break you, I'm going to stop you here so that we can go to break. But when we, I do want to talk more about this because I think it's so interesting. So we will... 
We will be back shortly to hear to hear Patricia share with us all of her wisdom. Awesome. Okay. So we'll be back shortly. Thank you. Okay. For- so, will the phone ring when? Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's Merging Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break, and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Now today we're talking with Patricia Evans, the authority on verbal abuse. And so, Patricia, before the break, we had gotten into discussion about empathy. If if mm-hmm. the uh, abuser had empathy, and you were explaining, no, <laughs> no, the abuser doesn't have empathy because his his feeling function was suppressed in childhood. That's why so many, yeah. much of the time, it's a male that we're looking at. As in an abusive relationship, we're usually looking at the male. Though I do want everyone to be very clear that a, a man who's kind and empathetic might be uh, married to or living with uh, a woman who who is like this, who mm-hmm. is really mentally ill, you know, and who rages and, and tries to even threatens to kill her husband and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that this can go the other way around but in most commonly it's the male in the situation who becomes the abuser in the relationship and the reason is why is it so much this male it's because he was trained to lose his feeling function one of his four functions mm-hmm. it's like he's either operating on four cylinders thinking feeling sensate and intuitive or he's only operating on three and the feeling function is buried deep in his unconscious 
And that mm-hmm. happens because he's yelled at, quit crying, don't be a baby, you're being a wimp, and stuff like that. In fact, once I was on the phone talking to a caller, and she uh, said her her child who was just, he was he was sitting in a high chair, but he was about 11 months old. And mm-hmm. she said her husband just came in, and she said, oh, he just came in and slapped the baby for crying, slapped the baby oh. hard on the face. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So once, so this child uh, would uh, wouldn't would would be afraid to cry and eventually yes. lose his feeling function. You know, because right. you can have feelings of joy. You can have all kinds of feelings. Our feeling function is really important, but it's kind of buried and banished. And children were punished for showing emotions. Even today, some fathers will severely punish a baby for crying. Yeah, that's hard to believe, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they do, you know, because they Mm -hmm. want their son to look tough, to be tough enough. Yeah, Yeah. and and it's just a, uh, it's sort of a, I don't know, some people might call it a macho thing, but it's it's not all men are this way at all. But the men who are, they usually came from a culture uh, that is that way and family that's this way and fathers Mm -hmm. that's this way and so Mm -hmm. forth. So once they've lost one of their four functions growing up, then then they're not going to have empathy for anybody really, Mm -hmm. you know. And that they might be upset if their kid was hurt at school or something, but they will feel like it makes them look bad. It's all about right. them. See? So and, it's very important to the abuser to be well-liked, well-thought-of, uh, good image outside of the home? Absolutely. That's what they that's – what, that's like the most important thing one could say – about these abusers, these these people, is that they want to to appear to be strong and powerful and mm-hmm. and and cared every, like everybody likes them. But mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, generally, um, if they get into any position where a number of people know them, they they are the least liked person. <laughs> the yeah. least liked. Yeah, but they think yeah. they're the most liked, and right. and. And they just, because uh, that's all they're about, is looking right. good and putting down the person who doesn't make them look good. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Now, there's a, a new world word running around our environment, our world these days. And I want to, I want you to give a definition of the difference in an abuser, verbal abuser, and what we call a narcissist. That's a much more, I mean, a lot of people are using, I'm married to a narcissist. So could you explain the difference in those two? I think once people found the word narcissist in some articles somewhere, they decided (laughs) that's what's wrong with my husband. But actually, (laughs) a narcissist just really wants to be the most important person. The narcissist Mm -hmm. is selfish. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't make, the the narcissist doesn't uh, call his partner horrible names. Just because he wants, you know. So there's two different things. One is the saying abusive things, like you are, you know, and then mean words, you are a bitch or whatever. And then you think, you think you know everything, you want to argue. Those come from an abuser, not necessarily from a narcissist. A narcissist 
is just a person who uh, wants to be the best liked or the be- the most important person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can go to a dictionary and look up the word narcissist, but it became a word that people, as you say, running around the universe, people mm-hmm. started using the word I'm married to a narcissist when they really mean a verbal abuser. Mm-hmm. Um and they, they just use it because it's the only word they've ever had to explain yes. something that they really didn't know or understand about their spouse. And right. so, yeah, and so they use it. But it's just, yeah, narcissist came from um, an ancient, uh, I, what would you call it, a, 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 like a story of, uh the the one this man goes and looks in him at his reflection in the uh-huh. in the lake and and uh that's where the and he was the narcissist so that's where the word he wants to look good that's right. where it all comes from yeah right mm-hmm. i do think though there are some uh traits that are common to both of those an abuser um, a verbal abuser and a narcissist in that well, they they so. all I mean, like to be liked yeah. and respected, but yeah. in their home they're not. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different person. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's uh, yeah, sure. You can label all these things, but the main thing to know is if someone says to you, "Oh, you just want to start a fight," yeah, hey, you're not me, you're not God, you're not oh. me, you're not a woman. You don't know what I want. If you'd like to know what I want, you may ask me nicely with your happy voice. Oh, I don't. Yeah, don't oh, you that's dare her tell response. me what I want. So that's how you respond to it. If someone says you just want to argue, you want to be right, you want to win, you want to ruin the relationship, you go, right. "Hey, you're not me, and you're not God. You don't know what I want. If mm-hmm. you'd like to know what I want, you may ask me nicely with your happy voice." Mm. So, so the verbal abuser can be changed. I mean, they can. A verbal abuser must first recognize what he's doing. Like one man, I had to call him back because I had some information for him, and he said, "Well, I'm driving now, listening to your your book on audio, and um, and I'm sobbing. I haven't stopped sobbing. He's so ashamed and so." so just destroyed to know what he's been doing to his wife unconsciously not even thinking about it so um so so a man first you know or the partner i'm just saying the man because 99 98% of the cases i get are uh from women being abused by a male but i do want everyone to know that it can work the other way around there can be a woman who uh, I talked to a man about this the other day, and, and uh, you know, his wife not only leaves everything all over so that people think, see her as a hoarder, but she also will pound on him in the middle of the night when he's sound asleep where he's just had surgery. Um, oh, And, and will scream and say, I'm going to get come with some friends and we're going to kill you. And you know, she, he's terrified of her. He's wow. very terrified of her. Yeah. So there is such a thing as a very mentally ill person who can be terrifying. But I, on the general thing, it's the male who's taught mm-hmm. not to cry, to be tough, okay, and to be strong. And that takes away his feeling function. So then he has no empathy at all mm-hmm. for for the people around him and just doesn't feel it, you know. Yeah. 
So where if people, if somebody is identifying with the verbal abuser that you've described it, we're talking about today, where can they go to get more information? Because oh, you have a wonderful website. Yeah. When they call me, I tell them to read all the books, but I uh-huh. tell them to listen to the audio on the second book, the survivor's book. I listen oh. to the audio three times before you read it. Don't read it now. First listen to the audio. That makes a huge impression for some reason on these men. So so they listen to that. Then, so they're listening to, uh, to the books and then reading them over and over, like the controlling people read it five times. And they're also signed up immediately on the MEVAC site, Men Ending Verbal Abuse and Control, and mm-hmm. uh, sharing their stories and doing they're getting mutual support to stop being abusive. They're also seeing, uh, I tell them how to find a trauma therapist in their area, an EMDR therapist is it, mm-hmm. to work through their childhood to gain back some of their function. And uh, so they're doing therapy at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. They're reading every day. They're posting in the, on that site every single day. So once they're doing all these things, all day long, they're really mm-hmm. completely involved in that. Then, then some of them change. Yeah, I remember one. I had a new guy. He was signing up on the MEVAC. He said he was going to sign up, but he mm-hmm. he didn't know how to. He wasn't very good at like communicating with people. He was a little bit more withdrawn and so forth. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to know if there was anyone there that he could talk to a little bit. Uh, maybe on the side. So I said, oh, yeah, there's one I know. He changed, and he's there, mm-hmm. and he's helping people. So I contacted his wife to make sure, and she said, we're really happy now. He's not <laughs> abusive like he used to be. Isn't that so wonderful? Yeah, so I knew yeah. he changed. Yeah, so of course they can change. They have to yeah. do the, They have to get past the traumas of childhood. They have to become conscious and aware of what they're saying. They have mm-hmm. to want to be sane, S-A-N-E, not to say <laughs> insane things like mm-hmm. pretending to know what someone thinks, you yeah. know, or wants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then they then they they can change. So uh, yeah. So I I I tell a lot of my clients uh, how to do an intervention with their spouse so that mm-hmm. they see another thing that sometimes the targets of verbal abuse will do is they will enable their spouse to talk like this because they don't share the information with anyone. Their uh-huh. best friends, their relatives, right. their neighbors do not know yes. what they're hearing all day long. Yes. They have no clue. So right. they can, there is a way to set up an intervention, though it's harder now with uh, the COVID situation, you can't have 25 people in your backyard, you know, yeah. bringing desserts for a party yeah. and then reading <laughs> this to them. Yeah. It's, uh, but they're still very active online, I'm sure. Because yeah. if anything, with COVID, we've increased in our abuse of each other, I think. I don't know. I haven't noticed. Uh, you haven't noticed? But I know that people are more isolated. Uh, it's yeah. harder for women to make calls and do these things yeah. because they're they're usually their husbands working from home too so they're both home at the same time and they yes. feel more watched you know yeah yeah so for the listener out there if they would like more information i'm going to give them your uh website which is www.verbal 
abuse, one word, dot com. And, you, and if you go to her site, I mean, there's so much information there. Uh, there's classes. There's do they get your your books through Amazon or is there there is a place on your site? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, to get to my books, you can click on the cover or type it in, and you put it, and they all it all clicks over to Amazon. Yeah, the books are yeah. sold through Amazon. Simon yeah. and Schuster would probably. Maybe if you went to Simon and Schuster, they might. I don't know if they sell books off their site or not, but um, I don't think but, so. I, but Patricia, we don't want Amazon to miss a sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know they they're struggling. A, <laughs> they have a fabulous system set up. They, they do. Were just a couple young men who figured out, let's do this. You know, and it worked. They just saw. I just saw that story someplace. It was. It's mm -hmm. great, you know. Actually, yeah. and it's grown yeah. into something really massive, uh, and doing so much good. I mean, it's you know, where do we go if we get lost? Amazon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, what's on your website that you? I know it talks about the history and everything, but what do you really want people to go there? And find what can they answer? Well, What's... I think just check, clicking on the books and then mm -hmm. seeing them, and maybe listening to an audio at, at home or downloading a Kindle version. You can mm -hmm. have all the books, but you have to keep them hidden away. If you leave them out, it's likely oh. that they'll be used against you or thrown in the garbage or whatever. If the person you're with feels threatened by the fact that you're looking at abusive relationships, you know. That kind of thing. So I say, always say, say hide them or keep them in your office somewhere else. Um, and it doesn't hurt to plan if you're going to leave an abusive relationship. To Yeah, um, yeah you, one of the things in a one-party state, you can uh, record somebody without them knowing it if you're in the conversation. In mm -hmm. a two-party state, you both have to know if it's being recorded. But a really good device for recording and all is a GoPro camera. Oh. And a GoPro is uh, perfect. It can be made into videos, and, you know, it just produces really good stuff. So you can use a GoPro and, and just uh, put the straps, get the one for skydiving. Get the one for, you know, <laughs> that you've got the straps over your shoulders and across mm -hmm. the back, throw a shirt on, and now you're wearing your GoPro. And so look into uh, what the laws are where you are and so forth. If it's a one-party, you can just ask Google, is this a one-party state or a two-party mm -hmm. state? Yeah, ah. and then then you can go from there. Or you can say, I'm going to record everything because you always tell me you told me to do something, and I don't remember you telling me to do it. Now I'll have all the information here on my recording. And they may stop talking to you, which would be a great solution to what you're going through. You know, yeah. if they just don't talk to you anymore, that's cool. You go live your life, you know. So, so why would someone need a recording? I'm not clear on that. For proof? Oh, well, one one is to show him what he says. They could oh. get, splice together 100 okay. abusive comments and say, look what I've heard you say. And then he'll uh -huh. hear his voice and uh -huh. his mouth saying, you are blah, 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 blah. You think blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You want, yeah. you know, and they could, he could have 100 comments there and then he could see and he could say this is all insane 
You don't. Mm-hmm. You're not God, so you don't know what I think. You don't know what I want. You don't know what I am. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you also have a case for getting an order of protection, and you also would have a case for having your children stay with you for the most part when if you got a divorce. And so, yeah, you know, there's a lot of uses. Well, I I do want you to share with us, if you will, in the last part of our show, how was it to be on Oprah where you actually launched your book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I just got a call from the publisher, a little publisher that I started with, and and the gal said that uh, she got me booked on it, and then all I was busy doing, arranging a flight and getting out there, and I think I had a couple on, too, uh, that they wanted. And most of the shows always wanted to have a couple, somebody there. Uh, ah. So, uh, you know, and then I was just very delighted. You know, I'm very grateful to Oprah. I want to send her a really a nice thank you letter um, because, you know, she, she it's her openness to new things and her listening yes. and all that makes ah. it so powerful. Yeah, and that everybody loves Oprah, you know. She's... And she has her her ability to have me on the show, you know, has impacted the whole culture and and people all over the world because people now know what verbal abuse is. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was. So I I was just really glad that that I was on her show. You know, I was, but my mind was mostly on, you know, what am I wearing? Did I get? Did I got my <laughs> tickets? Did my friend get? Did they get their tickets? Yes. Uh, what's, where are we supposed to be? Where do we stay? <laughs> Is there going to be? A, does the ride uh, going to be in front that takes us over to the studio? You know, yes. it's a whole lot of oh, and all these thousands of details. <laughs> so were you nervous? Was. Were you really just too nervous, or was it the passion of talking about your, your? Yeah, I wasn't nervous. I'm never. No. I'm not. I'm not. No, I wasn't nervous. I've not yeah. been nervous. I've done. I've done. You know, talks all over the country. I've done a couple hundred radio shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government of Spain invited me to speak at the first commission meeting of the Commission for the Investigation of Violence Against Women. So that wow. was in Madrid. I love that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's just been a lot of nice experiences. But I don't get nervous because I know what I wrote, and oh. I can talk about it. And that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so it's always you, wonderful to be able to share with people because there are people all over who, who haven't even heard of the word verbal abuse, you know? Yeah. Well, what would you share with somebody if if they – well, there's two things. Certainly if they're in a relationship like this, where would you share with them what's their next step? So would you share well, that with I first say, do you know that you're, are you hearing verbal abuse? And if they knew they were, I'd mm-hmm. say, okay, then, and then the next thing to do is make a list of everything you've heard and call me and I'll explain to you what's wrong with him and give you an intro. So you can say, I'm asking you to make every effort not to tell me what I am and think and feel and need and want because you're not me, you're not a woman. Here's some things I've heard you say. You are blah, blah, blah. You think, you want, you know, you don't know, you should, you need. And the appendix of my fourth book has a lot of samples. Oh. And, uh, 
And so you you make that complete, and then you read it in front of maybe all the, if you've been to a whole bunch of therapists, get all five or ten therapists together and read mm-hmm. it to your spouse so he actually hears what you've said, what you, you've heard him say to you, and then you go on from there. You know, so the first thing is he has to be introduced to the fact that he's saying insane things. Mm-hmm. And once yeah. he knows that, you know, then then he can call me and ask for what he can do. And one of the things, of course, is posting every day on the men's site and then and also getting trauma therapy, and I tell him how to find the trauma therapist and what to tell mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so if he gets into all the programs, you know, then yeah. he has a chance a chance of changing. Yeah. Right. I didn't even know there was something called trauma therapist. Well, so I call kind of... it a trauma therapist. But And if you ask him, do you do trauma therapy, they'll say yes. But the ah. type of therapy, an EMDR therapist is a, a therapist who deals with people who are traumatized. Yeah. Right. You know, mm. it's like, say, like an, uh, let's say an, uh, 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 you know, a, a doctor that takes care of your eyes. Ocu- what would you call that? Uh, but it's say an eye doctor. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't see himself as an eye doctor. He sees himself as whatever his specialty is. You know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So as you're as you're looking forward in your 2021, well, do you have anything that that you're really looking forward to doing next year? Yeah, I'm getting out a new book on on uh, raising children without, you know, without verbal abuse, keeping them safe from verbal abuse. Oh, that's great. Mhm. Yeah. Now, there are people I've heard somebody say, uh, "Gee, I thought all all you needed to do is yell at your kids and then they'd be good and be quiet." Oh. And I mean, they don't have any idea uh, mm. of of uh, what they're doing a lot of times. They just no. don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And for years we looked at that as kind of being a stern or rigid father. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can remember growing up, my father wasn't verbally that way, but I do have friends that we mm-hmm. knew to tiptoe around her father, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was. That, we yep, just he's took got it. the problem. He's got the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what a great book because it does start very early, doesn't it, this abuse? When you talked about the, the man coming in and, and um uh spanking the little boy or the child yeah, or spanking him across the slapping face for crying. Yeah. yeah. That's what she said. He slapped him across the face. Wow. So quit crying, I don't want to see you cry anymore. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. So is this usually, yeah, is this, I mean, was that because he had a bad drive home or, I mean, it, is it just the crying? Are you kidding? He could, (laughs) it doesn't matter if he was flown home on an angel's wings. It has nothing to do with how he got home. Yeah. It has to do with his son looking weak and him Uh. not looking tough enough. His son's Uh. crying. Uh. You don't cry if you're a boy, you toughen up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, miss up. Well, it's just so it's just so far fetched. You know, sometimes you kind of wonder, well, what causes somebody to be that way if it's yeah. not part of your personality? Yeah. You know, well, I I've, I've experienced personality is formed by the way you're raised. You know. Right. Um, 
you know, you might have be born with more creativity than somebody else or certain things, but you you also are raised, you know, to be the who you are and um it doesn't matter what kind of a day you had or or who drove you home or if you got in traffic or if your car was stolen last night if your kids crying and you don't you you can you might if you're an abuser and you want him to toughen up you might slap him for crying right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so in the now I know you do a lot of speaking so do you are you hoping next year that'll be more open for us to be able to go back to that career for sure? Yeah, um, I haven't done much lately because I don't. I closed. Off, I had one schedule in uh, uh, Illinois. I remember it was a few years ago, but this COVID thing started, and they didn't think people should be flying and all that. And I canceled that. I've canceled right. that on my site. So um, yeah, if things changed completely and everybody's immunized and and there's no more COVID around and then there'll be groups and things and I can do some talks at some of the groups. Mm-hmm. Well, Patricia, I want to thank you for being on my show today. You've really enlightened us to a, a situation that does happen in many families that we're not aware of and perhaps yeah. didn't we were being abused. Um, right. So I really appreciate that well, you've been I appreciate here I, I really I'm grateful that I'm here. I appreciate being here, and it's been a real opportunity to give information to people. Yeah. Anybody dealing with this can dial the number on my site, and that's okay. it. They dial cool. the number, and I pick up. Thank you. <laughs> okay, all right. Thanks. For all of, okay. all of you out there, see you next week. Same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support that they need for their decisions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.